pretty snazzy. I said, your next marketing maven. Like I was a play on words with the brand. Um, <laughs> and that was the subject line of the email that I sent to Wes. And she recognized me immediately. Hey friend, it's David Nabinski here in Brooklyn. Here at the Portfolio Career Podcast, we help you take ownership of your career and build a life that you want to live. Today's episode is all about people finding jobs, getting their jobs, how they got their current job, sometimes very recently too. Uh, This episode was recorded in an apartment in Brooklyn where multiple people shared around a three-minute story about their current role or, or their journey to get to where they are now. You also hear follow-up questions by me and others. So if you're looking for a new role or thinking about a new role soon, this episode is for you. As always, this episode with timestamp notes is available on my website at PortfolioCareerPodcast.com. There you can subscribe to my newsletter, which is a Substack called Portfolio Career. And you can also sign up for my free podcasting course. So excited for you to build and grow your portfolio career. Here we go with Diana. So Diana, um, you got a new job recently. I got a new job. Let's hear the story. <laughs> okay. So um, my new job is head of community at a startup called Pollen, and I love it. Um, I actually got this. Their um, head of strategy reached out to me on LinkedIn, and we it, it turned out to be like just the right timing and a, and a great match. And I want to talk more about how I got into community in the first place, So because that might be more helpful for people here. Um, I was in hedge fund recruiting before and (laughs) it was so soulless and, um, I like rage quit my job one day without really knowing what I wanted to do next. And, but what I did know is that I wanted it to be something that was more meaningful. I knew I loved bringing people together. And so what I started doing was I would meet all these really cool humans around New York from like all different um like social groups echelons like just every industries everything and i would throw breakfasts and dinners where i would have them like not talk about what they did for work and answer like everyone answer one question and it just facilitated like really meaningful connections and like business partnerships came out of it like romantic relationships all these really cool things people asked me why i didn't charge for it i tried that out for a while hated it and then um i ended up just being like oh my god what am i gonna do and um lo and behold uh, a f- friend of mine was starting um, a startup and he needed a head of community that was a mix of recruiting and bringing people together. So that is how I got into community originally. And I wanted to say that part because if there is a job or a new career path or industry that you want to get into and you don't have the experience le- yet, you can make your own experience and like your own portfolio in a very creative way. Same thing for like writers and you know when you're trying to be a screenwriter or something, they want you to have your work to show. So work on it in your free time. Yeah, yeah amazing. Um, and so you mentioned that they reached out to you on LinkedIn. What um, what do you think they saw or what did that first like message look like? Like yeah. Um, so my <laughs> they saw that uh, I'm an incredible person. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, They really, they actually, one of the things that they mentioned is that they liked that I had written um, a book and had put it out there myself, had like done my own marketing, got it to number one on Amazon. It showed that I had like a little, you know, something extra. And so Pollen is a professional network for top independent consultants. And so they also wanted someone who knew, like who could do the head of community role, but that also knew the, the struggle of being an independent and 
bringing things to life on your own. Um, so I had the both of those um, assets, as you would say. Okay, amazing. Yeah. Thanks and so much. oh, the yeah. first the first message just looked like, "Hey, are you interested in this? Let's set up a call." Cool. <laughs> <laughs> really and important. Pollen's hiring right now too. Oh yeah, Pollen is hiring. Um, we are looking for a head of ops and strategy. Um, we are a team of four right now, so you would be getting in on the ground up. And I'm not lying. I put head of community at Pollen there because like I'm being empowered. I'm being pushed. It's like a great community and talk to me about it if you would like to know more. Amazing. Thanks, Diana. Right, thank you. Um, do you next? All right, JC. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think you saw how it goes. Um, sounds like you recently got a new job. Like I did. I think you're a mind reader because I didn't tell you at all that I was even interviewing and you messaged me about this the day that I had my final interview. So I don't know. You have some psychic powers going on <laughs> over there. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I've been looking, uh, I've been at my job, my current job in tech consulting for about three years and it has a lot of perks. It's definitely very comfortable. The people are really cool, but I felt very unfulfilled and I had this internal battle of, do I want a job that allows me to pursue my passions outside of work? Or do I want a job that makes me feel lit up every day and that I can feel excited about going to? Um, and I kind of went back and forth for that in a while. I tried to like feel myself outside of work. I teach yoga. I started a mental health podcast and I was really lit up by these things, but I felt like I was living like a double life where I would go to work and I was playing this computer game where I was helping a company make more money. And then outside of work, I was getting to do things and impact people and it felt really meaningful to me. So ultimately the battle was that I found a new job. I started looking on LinkedIn. I was looking at companies that could kind of bridge that gap and I could find something in the mental health space or something that felt impactful to me. And I found a company called Spring Health, which is a startup that helps reduce barriers to mental health access. And I was like, perfect. This is amazing. Um, they had a product manager position open, which is what I do in my tech consulting job. And I applied, heard nothing back, obviously, because LinkedIn is a black void. And then <laughs> I um, searched up every product manager that works at Spring Health. And I sent them a cold email. And I was like, hey, I just applied to this position. And I would love to pick your brain on it. Um, and one person replied back. So that was awesome. And we set up a call. It was really informal. It was good. And after that call, he put in a referral for me, which is amazing. And then, of course, then the recruiter reached out to me and I went through an extensive seven round interview process um, and in which you messaged me on the last day of. So that was exciting. And then I got very invested in this job and thankfully I got it. Um, and I start next week. So, yeah, I'm really excited. Thanks. <laughs> um, I will be working on like their new business line pod, helping to build out global expansion and like a center of excellence for eating disorders and substance abuse disorders. So feels very exciting to work on something that's meaningful. But yeah, that's my story. Wow. <laughs> so you emailed everyone and, yes, uh, <laughs> and then one person got back to you. Yeah. Uh, what did that what did that person say? Yeah, so I emailed, I didn't email the whole, I emailed, um, <laughs> I emailed all the product managers that I could find because that was the position I applied to. And he was like, sure, I could set up 15 minutes to chat. Here's my Calendly link, as people do. So then set up some time to chat. And yeah, we just, I asked him about the role. I had questions prepared, did my little due diligence. And then he put in a referral at the end, which is very nice. I'm very grateful. 
So he knew about the open role and like, yeah. Yeah, he was like, oh, it's not on my team, but I think it's on an adjacent team, but sure, I'm happy to talk to you. So I was like, okay, sounds good. <laughs> cool. And did you, did you interview anywhere else or is this like the one? No, yeah, this is it. Cause I, I was fine at my current job. Like it wasn't terrible, I didn't hate it, but I was like, I would love to do something that feels more impactful. So I just waited until I found the right fit. I applied to other jobs and like didn't really hear anything back. Um, and this was the first job that I like went through a full interview process for. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. Congrats. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> All right, Lonnie. Hi, David. Hi. Um, I would love to hear your story. Yeah. <laughs> My story is a little less recent, but nonetheless, I think very relevant. Um, so I'm going to tell the story of kind of how I got two jobs because one led into the next. So two and a half years ago, I was a photographer, no experience in tech. I decided that I wanted to get into startups. So that was a pretty hard thing to do with like essentially no tech background. So I started taking courses online and writing blog posts on Medium about everything I knew about growing a tech startup, which I knew very little, but I was basically <laughs> regurgitating what I was learning in the course. And so I, I started a weekly series and I wrote like all about, yeah, tech and marketing and all this stuff. And so I did that for like four months. I had rage quit also a job and I was unemployed. Um, so I had a lot of time for like learning and writing. Um, and then one day there's this hack on Google that you can like find any publicly available spreadsheet. It's like you type in what you're looking for and then you say like site google.com slash sheets. I don't know. It's like it's, it went mega viral on the Internet. Um, and I was doing that and I was looking for like interesting startups that are currently hiring. And I found this guy, I think he belonged to an investment firm and he had like put together a bunch of like really cool seed stage startups. And one of them on there was Alpha, which is this community of 100,000 women in tech. And I was like, oh, this feels like pretty aligned. And so I found the founder on LinkedIn and I DM'd her. And I was like, doesn't look like you're hiring, but if you would consider hiring, I would be a great marketing manager. And she was like, oh, we're actually, we have this Google doc, we're actually about to hire for this role. Um, so I got that role. Uh, and so I was the marketing lead at Alpha for a year. And one of the things I did as the marketing lead at Alpha was do an office hours series, which functioned as a really great way to meet women in tech that were like doing really cool things, women in leadership positions. And like in September of that role, I reached out to this woman, Wes Ko, who um, had worked with Seth Godin, was sort of like an idol of mine. And she was the, one of the co-founders of Maven, which is now my current role. And I was like, hey, Wes, love your work. Would love to invite you on for Alpha's Office Hours series. Um, I think you'd be a great fit. And this was in September. And so then, like, it was kind of a long play because five months later, when I was like, okay, I think I'm ready to move on from Alpha, like, I had all these connections with all these high-powered women that I had emailed to invite on for our Office Hours series. And so, I applied to the role at Maven, uh, the marketing lead role at Maven, and then I, <clears throat> this was, I think, pretty snazzy. I said, your next marketing Maven, like I was a play on words with the brand. Um, <laughs> and that was the subject line of the email that I sent to Wes. And she recognized me immediately because we had emailed we had emailed before. And uh, yeah, I interviewed at Maven and I'm the head of marketing at Maven now. Ooh. Ooh. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, okay, so so you talked about this like this idea of like building a relationship and stuff before maybe you need to make the ask. Yeah. Um, you want to say anything more about that? Yeah. I mean, I'm doing that now too. So like I find that to be a powerful practice even as you're employed. Like 
I, I would say like once a week I try to just talk to another like head of marketing or marketing person at a startup or like someone just ahead of me. Those are probably the best, like five years ahead of me that they could potentially hire me one day. I'm super happy at Maven, love Maven, but I'm sort of just, I think that that's kind of the best thing to do. Even when you're not looking for a job, you're kind of looking. <laughs> I hope my company doesn't listen to this. <laughs> and what, uh, like, what are you saying? Are, what are you saying in those emails? Are you saying like, hey, can I pick your brain? Or like, oh, I hate people, that yeah. phrase. Yeah. So, yeah. what are you saying in terms of like, how do you get someone that is one step ahead of you to have like a casual, good conversation with them that feels kind of like win-win for both? Yeah. Start with flattery. I love your work. I love this post that you did on LinkedIn. Totally agree with your philosophy, whatever, whatever. Um, and then <laughs> <laughs> this is my template. <laughs> um, and then go into, you know, something relevant that I've recently done. Um, and I basically frame it as like, I think we could find ways to be helpful to each other if we get on a call. And it's always been true. Um, so there's no one way picking brain. There's like, let me also, let's see how we could help each other. Mm, yeah. I like that. I like that. Yeah. Cool. All right, thanks, Lonnie. <laughs> cool. Thank you, Just David. Just speeding through these. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. yeah. yeah. Uh, Abbas, would love to hear a story that comes to mind for you on this topic. Absolutely. Um, so I'm not going to talk about my current job, though it is my favorite. It wrote current job up there. On, um, on a wall that's um, a post-it wall. Yeah. Right, right, right. For people that people are cannot yeah. see. Yeah. <laughs> um, so after I, um, I was told they cannot pay me anymore at my first startup um, that I joined, it was a demoralizing time. Um, I was uh, unsure of what to do next. I did not have another job lined up. I was told this pretty suddenly. And um, so I spent the next six months, or nine months actually, looking at um, how I could figure out how to get the experience I wanted to do the next job I was aiming for. So I worked on thermal dissipation devices, uh, which, you know, everyone you... knows what that is, right? Yeah, yeah. everyone knows, okay. everyone knows about those. <laughs> so moving heat away from the processor of your phone um, as efficiently as we could. And through that, I was very interested in manufacturing because I was like, that is the interesting part of this problem. And I didn't know anything about manufacturing. I'd never worked on anything big before. And so I talked to as many people as I could about figuring out how I could do little things to make their manufacturing work easier. Sending emails for them, making spreadsheets, just tracking all sorts of stuff. And then eventually someone was just like, hey, I know you're interested in this thing. We talked about it a few months before and I just got a job at Fitbit in manufacturing. Do you want to come work for me? And I jumped at that opportunity. It uh, worked out great. I did that for several years and then decided to completely pivot again. <laughs> you want to tell us about that story? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, or how you, or like, yeah, how, how you made the pivot. Sure, sure. So while I was working in manufacturing, I quickly found that doing supply chain management was very, very boring. So making the spreadsheets, not the most exciting thing in the world. What was really cool was seeing the robots actually manufacture the Fitbits. And so um, I tried to work with the manufacturing team. They're like, you don't actually know anything. <laughs> so I um, tried to figure out, again, what I could do for them. I built up a portfolio of, again, side projects. And then I applied to grad school to pivot into doing robotics. Um, what are the, did you have a side project in robotics? Um, yes, I made a robot that draws portraits on the ground. 
<laughs> Say more about that. <laughs> um, right. So um, I was thinking about what I could do to show people I like knew about robotics and how do you do that? You like you know, build a robot. And so I figured what is a concept that allows me to explore all the things I've been reading about in robotics and also it's kind of cool. It could like take a YouTube video because you need to be a little flashy. And so um, I built this thing. And um, though I had no background in mechanical engineering, I um, was able to show like, hey, I can like do a mechanical engineering thing. And then I started my PhD at MIT in robotics. Big, only because of that. <laughs> and then I dropped out. <laughs> <laughs> to, 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 for the new job, was that like a... Um, so a little more than three minutes, but yeah. um, my advisor wanted me to focus in classical robotics, which is all about this sort of like fancy math stuff. And um, I had just worked at uh, an internship after my master's finished. And this was all about machine learning and artificial intelligence, all this like new fancy stuff in robotics. And I went back to my advisor and was like, hey, I want to do this new stuff that I think is way more important. And he was like, no, it's like not rigorous enough. It's not what I like. Mm. And so I could have spent the next four years doing that or I could have uh, left. So I was speaking at this conference in Madrid on uh, you know, robotics and I really lied a little bit to some people who came and talked to me afterwards. <laughs> um, they work at a company called Motional, which is a self-driving car company. And I said that like they kind of wanted me to work for them. So I was like, hey guys, I will do this if you let me like explore all the aspects of robotics that I didn't get a chance to work on while I was in you know, school. Well, I'd be giving up if I left my PhD, which I already wanted to leave. And so they let me do this crazy thing. They let me move to Singapore, um, work in a rotational program at all of their robotics departments, and then pick which one I want to work on at the end. And then as soon as I finished the rotational program, I quit and moved to the United States <laughs> to go work at a better company. Okay, and that okay. is the current job that I have. That is the best job I have ever had. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. Cool. I loved everyone's reactions. You're like, I just was speaking at a conference at robotics. Everyone was like, yeah, just casually. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So does anyone feel like called, compelled? to, okay, Alan, I saw you first, and then Becca. So I was thinking, listening to this, and I was thinking about how um, my career has kind of flowed over the last 10 plus years, and I think there's kind of a, a I don't know, I could do like a rapid fire of how one progressed into the next and progressed cool. into the next. love it. Um, okay, so way back when I was working at the help desk, uh, not even help desk, running around setting up new computers at uh, a medical college, and I had gone to school for web design uh, and, you know, hadn't really gotten into it. But at the company holiday party, uh, somebody whose computer I had set up and seen occasionally was like, hey, you should talk to people that are more than just the other people at the help desk. Let me introduce you to the uh, lead designer of our web team. I was like, okay. So, you know, go over, start a conversation with him. We're both a little drunk because it's a company holiday party. Uh, and ended up in a good enough conversation, ended up being able to talk my way through some elements of web development enough that he said, hey, you know, we've got two roles open on the web team and we pay more than the tech team you want to interview i'm like okay sure and so that's how i got my first job in web development uh fast forward about a year and a half i was working on a side project um and i 
at the time it was like Twitter had just come out with location-based tweets. So I was like, let me try this. And I search nearby and see somebody tweeting about the tech project that I'm working on. So I message him or, or post a public reply, starts a little back and forth. He eventually DMs me and says, hey, I'm hiring. You want to meet up? Like, sure, let's talk. So I go to this, this next job. Uh, I'm there, uh, and I, I'm there for about a year and a half, somewhere in the middle of it. I um, make my way to a conference in uh, Warsaw, of all places. Mostly, it was a way to extend my vacation. To see a boss speak? Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, it was a uh, web development conference. Um, but uh, while there, I met somebody that was speaking, and he turns out he hosted a uh, monthly conference in Brooklyn called Brooklyn JS. Um, so I started going to that when I came back. Uh, through that, I met one of the other hosts. And he used to work at um, Mozilla, uh, which is I have on this posted board as my favorite job, um, because uh, you know I, I got to meet him. I uh, started looking for jobs a few months later, and I realized, hey, Mozilla has an opening. Checked with him, he's like, yeah, I can introduce you to the hiring manager, and so that's how I got that job. It's like you know had the connection in the referral to, because they get a ton of applicants, so having a shoe in was great. Um, and then uh, while there, I transitioned from an individual contributor into management. And so I started like looking for other networking opportunities in the city, um, started going to a leadership meetup um, for engineering managers. Um, and when the time came that I was like, hey, I'm looking to grow more, somebody that I had met at one of those meetups said, hey, you know, I'm hiring. Hmm. And so I uh, ended up interviewing there. Now, that was a commercial real estate company that I started at in February 2020. Hmm. Things did not go so well there. So my next job was a, uh, a recruiter found me at the right time. She was thinking, hey, this guy's in commercial real estate. Probably doesn't want to be in there anymore. <laughs> she was right. So that was the first job that I, uh, I got. Uh, my current job is the first one that uh, I had actually just worked with a, a recruiter. Uh, and now I'm dating her. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Actually, more than dating, we've been in a relationship for a, for a year plus now. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, so just kind of a wave of, yeah, of you know, connections. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, can see how uh, <laughs> relationships have helped along the way. Um, or or um, relationships have come of it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, um, amazing. Thanks, Alan. Yeah. Uh, Rebecca, you had something you wanted to? Okay. I don't know if that inspired you more or changed your story or, yeah. That's a, it's about the same. Um, so two jobs ago, I used to work in commercial real estate, um, and I absolutely loved it. It's a very, like, physical buildings. You can see what you put up in the sky. It's pretty fun. Um, but I was always very frustrated by the inefficiencies of the industry, so I got very into um, prop tech, which is technology for commercial real estate or real estate in general. Um, so I... <laughs> <laughs> so I used to like listen to all the podcasts about the industry and just try to figure out what was out there and I wasn't kind of finding much um, that specifically worked on com the more commercial side a lot of it was like B2C I was more interested in B2B um, so I wasn't really looking for a job um, but I was kind of just kind of keeping my pulse on this industry and I have a twin brother so my twin brother works in tech and um, he works as a product manager, and so he'd get recruiting emails all the time. And so he got a recruiting email from this company that was in PropTech, a B2B PropTech company. And I was like, okay, twin. <laughs> 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 I know um, he wasn't really, he really liked his job. He wasn't really interested in 
in switching, I was like, I think you should do this thing or you should email back the recruiter and tell them that you know someone who'd be really good for this role. <laughs> and so he did that. And uh, we have a pretty unique last name, so I don't know how they didn't put this together. Um, but he introduced me to the recruiter. She then proceeded to put me through the um, referral process of this organization, and that's how I got my current job. Yeah. <laughs> okay. um, does anybody have any questions for anybody that has, I know that's like a lot of people, but who's got a question? Um, Rachel. Hey, um, so when I think about my next move and I think about um, taking a career pivot, I think that oftentimes you have to go down the mountain a little to climb back up the mountain. And um, I'm single and I have like a quality of life that I really value and um, I like to be a yes person. I like to eat well, travel well, and I recognize that there are probably some like sacrifices to make when in pursuit of a career switch. And I'd love to hear from some people that maybe um, had a similar experience um, in singledom and how that leap didn't feel so scary and how you were able to balance your um, normalities of life with a uh, career pivot. Is everyone in a relationship? <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> you said you said you wanted to hear how it's not scary or hopefully. <laughs> I when I first moved to New York, I was going into a completely new industry. I've been in the last eight years I've been in like four completely different industries. This is my first time going from like a head of community role to another head of community role, which is amazing. Um, but I, <laughs> I don't think this is going to be helpful. I just like was very cautious with my money. Like sometimes you just have to do what you have to do and like, like see where you can be smarter about it. Like I literally got an email from CVS one time telling me I was the top couponer in one in an area of Manhattan. Like no joke. This was when I first lived here. And like, I just learned all these tricks and like, you can find a lot of stuff online, but like, you know, sometimes you just have to make some sacrifices for the good of the future. So like, I don't think that's what you wanted to hear, but that was just like, that's what yeah. I've got, you know? Yeah. So, and then I will tell you that when you can't afford the stuff, it feels, can I curse on here? Sure. It feels fucking amazing. <laughs> so, yeah. Cool. Um, does anybody else have a question? I can yeah. speak on that a little bit. Sure. So it might be a little complicated, but I, I took a job as a male nanny in Turkey for a summer. Um, <laughs> I was in a I was in a bad situation with an apartment where I lived above a nightclub and I worked for a startup media company. Don't do that. Um, and I ended up losing my job because I couldn't sleep. And I just the only way to break the lease was to take this crazy job in Turkey that I totally didn't bullshit the email about. Um, and I ended up going to Turkey. And it's not something I ever thought I would do. It's kind of just like growing in the mill. But it was one of the most liberating things I've done, and it taught me a lot, not just about relationships, but what I'm looking for in my life going down the line. And I guess for me, sharing that with you is like, when you're single, you can do lots of stuff, right? It's not really about always sacrificing the things that you think you might be sacrificing. 
I didn't think about spending summer in New York with my friends. I thought about like, hey, I don't want to blow my savings on this crappy apartment in the East Village, right? And in doing so, I learned what it's like to live with a family, to take care of kids, um, and to travel around a country that was like pretty nutty. And in that, that in its own way has helped me more to understand what I want in a relationship and what, what sacrifice means, what sacrifice looks like, um, from just doing something off the cuff. Right, kind of breaking with that linear progression in our minds that like I'm here from A to B to C, this is my progression, and just like throwing that against the wall and doing something completely different puts you in a space and in kind of like an area to just think differently. And for me, it was very helpful to just get me out of this thing I was doing of like, I'm going to be this writer and these are the steps. And from that, I got this great story, right? It's like, you don't think that's what's going to happen. But now it's like, when I go out, people are like, tell us more nanny stories. And I'm like, you know, so my advice to you just to be, just take risks while you are single. You know what I mean? And like, that will often probably lead you to a place um, that was better than what you envisioned. So. Um, okay, so I have a question for people that are talking about these side hustles and projects and things that you did to build your portfolio and your career in the thing that you wanted to do. And for my particular question and my situation, it's how do you make sure that what you're stepping into in kind of like a consulting capacity or some type of project does not also have a potential conflict of interest with the current role that you hold? And I know that's like a little bit... Um, operational, logistical, less dreamy, we're talking about legalities here, but how do you manage the relationships when you're extremely front-facing to a group of relationships that you manage while also leveraging some of them and rebranding some of them with those individuals so that they see you not as the gateway to the current company that you represent, but your own personal brand? Um. I would say, yeah, that's really nuanced. And if you can time box it and do it outside of your current relationships, that's maybe the best. Like treat it more as an experiment. When I've done some consulting, it's been like one month engagements with people that were not already part of the ecosystem that I was working in. Um, And that's been really fruitful to like solidify my offering and get clear on and get some get some work that I could then like present as case studies and start to build it but I do think as like a first step into the like okay what would it be like for me to consult or for me to do more of this work freelance I would try to see if there's another avenue try to see if like someone you're currently working with could introduce you to someone else like maybe there's like a two-step there Um, and if it can be time box I found that really helpful because sometimes it's a lot more work than you realize and then suddenly you're like underwater and you've got this is what happened to me you've got consulting and you've got a full-time job and you're like whoa yeah. so yeah all right well let's give it up for everyone that spoke hey friend thank you for tuning in to this special episode of portfolio career podcast would love to hear what you learned and what you enjoyed um, you can find me on twitter LinkedIn, Instagram, whatever is best for you. And as a reminder, I'm just one email away as well. This episode with timestamp notes is available on my website at PortfolioCareerPodcast.com. There you can subscribe to my newsletter called One Email Away, which includes the best insights from the podcast and friend-sourced opportunities. So excited for you to build and grow your portfolio career. Thank you so much.